The thing is, I now expect the clap. Jackson, don't expect the clap. I know. I. <laughs> I mean, I know we're doing a Bond movie, but don't extend a Bond cast, but don't expect the clap. Uh, well, this is going in the podcast. Or, or, <laughs> or do, and just take precautions. Take, take, take precautions against the clap, Bond. Never say it podcast again. I'm Jackson Tyler. I'm doing. Uh, I'm joined. I'm joined by my friend Dealacina. Hi. Hello, and we're here to talk about James Bond as usual. How have you been? I've been good. How have you been? I've been okay. I'm busy, but I've been okay. Yeah. Is is are you feeling more relaxed not recording after like six other podcasts on a Sunday? Yeah, uh, moving this recording to the week uh, has definitely been less stressful for me because I, I recorded about four I recorded about four podcasts the last time the last day we did one of these this was like in the middle between the th- different one and the Three Kingdoms podcast um, I do too many podcasts <laughs> is the problem I made it I made my hobby my job and now I do too many podcasts it's gonna be a busy October yeah with, with lots of spookiness so James Bond is kind of a welcome respite from spooky shit there's nothing spooky about this movie. There's some creepy things, like, you know, Woody Allen. But nothing spooky. But hey, this is the one movie where a grown man gets into a bathtub with a naked 17-year-old, and it's not Woody Allen. That's true. That is very true. Um, so, the movie we're here to talk about today is Casino Royale, the 1967 film. Normally, I would list the director, and I guess I will. I will now because it's directed uh, by. You have Ken, to. I, I, well, I'm still gonna, but it's it's different than normal. Uh, directed by Ken Hughes, John Huston, Joseph McGrath, Robert Parrish, Val Guest, and Richard Talmadge. Talmadge. Uh, uncredited. Uncredited. He did not want to be associated with this movie. Um, it is produced by Charles K. Feldman and Jerry Brelster. Screenplay by uh, Wolf Magowitz, John Law, and Michael Sayers, based on Casino Royale. It is not uh, a broccoli movie. So it has nothing to do with the other James Bond movies and is basically a very broad Bond parody. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a minute, though. Yes. Because Sarah made a really good observation when we were watching this. And it's one that I was thinking of from, like, one of the very early lines is that like they're going to see the only the original James Bond. And basically this movie unites the rest of the James Bond canon into one canon universe. Yes, it does. By virtue of presupposing everyone is 007 and everyone is James Bond. Everyone is James Bond. 
it it takes the they always recast James Bond uh like fan theory and makes it real before they had actually recasted James Bond. Right. <laughs> Because in the movies, he's just played by one guy. That like they haven't done the thing where the like mythology has allowed him to pass to a new actor yet. That happens in a couple movies' time, but it's already it's already here. It's fully formed. Which is weird because I do wonder if they that was something that was talked about. Like if that was like weird insider Hollywood knowledge or something, and like we just don't have access to that because it wasn't really like recorded and broadcast into our time i assume it came out of like we don't have sean connery but we have to have people called james bond in the movie how the hell do we like justify it without seeming like a knockoff uh, yeah that works guess. um because so the, the, the i don't have a full summary for this movie i was going to write one but then the movie just doesn't support them uh the broad plot as it is uh is that Shmursh are taking out spies all over the world, uh, no one knows why, and they have to go back to the original James Bond, the retired super spy, uh, living in like a reclusive mansion, and bring him out of retirement, which they do, and they find out that the only he's the only spy that people are afraid of. James Bond is the only name that strikes fear in the hearts uh, of these agents. Uh, so his plan is to rename and reassign everyone to James Bond 007. <laughs> uh, which he does. And, uh, you know, he's James Bond. Moneypenny's James Bond. Vespaline is James Bond. Uh, his daughter, uh, which is the daughter of James Bond and Matahari, who's also called Matahari, uh, is James Bond. Um, this uh, Peter Sellers is Evelyn Tremble, who is a background expert. He's James Bond. Uh, and there's another guy who gets hired to be James Bond uh, just... As like a way of, uh, he's really hot and all the girls want to make out with him, but we're going to train him to resist women, and then we'll have a perfectly like unbeatable super spy that won't be able to seduce him and poison him, and we'll win. He's James Bond as well. So they're all James Bond, uh, and then that just leads into a series of basically unrelated skits uh, linked together by the barest uh, sense of plot in the world, because uh, Peter Sellers was meant to be the lead but was not on set enough <laughs> so they had to like make up the rest of the movie um uh he does the casino royale thing he plays back around against the chief who is uh awesome wells uh but then there's also the real plot because he wasn't around to film the ending uh is um david niven as sir james bond the original uncovering smirsh's real plot who uh which is Jimmy Bond played by uh, Woody Allen, who wants to kill all of the men over four seven in the world, so he can be tall and have all the the hot girls. Um, which I don't know how Woody Allen's career continued after a movie. The like you've got him, you nailed him in one. Um, but that's that's the movie. They the then there's a whole ridiculous like uh. Like cowboys come in and everything, and then it gets really racist, and then the casino row explodes. Like it just does. And a some of them go to heaven, and some, and one of them goes to hell. Yes, Woody Allen gets sent to hell. Which we do, we do in our stories, but we can't do in our reality. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a there's a really good point that um Sarah brought up, um, <clears throat> and it's that. 
James Bond and Woody Allen films are <laughs> are the same. Oh my god. <laughs> and that they both feature a protagonist that gets himself into trouble slash danger and then inexplicably escapes. Yes. Who manages to fall into bed with beautiful women way out of his league and yes. that are that are all equally disposable. Yes. And you know, that there is this conceit for each one of the films that is seems much more interesting on paper than it actually plays out as being. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately they're just these weird, paranoid, misogynistic, weird fantasies about a weird masculinity. Yes, absolutely. So James Bond is Woody Allen in Woody Allen movies. Um, that's, yeah, I can't disagree with this. <laughs> It's it's definitely the the final stuff of the movie where they reveal Woody Allen's the big bad guy because I'm like I know he's in this movie why he's shown for one bad scene why do they talk about this like it's a Woody Allen movie and it's because he's like secretly behind the scenes the whole time. Um, well, and, and it, this this movie it's 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 kind of it's basically a Woody. I mean, this one very explicitly is practically a Woody Allen film. It gets his bananas. Right. Yeah. Like it's in the genre, but he's not like. He's not front and center in the screen the whole time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it absolutely is. And then he's just doing his shtick at the end of the movie. But it, unlike Woody Allen films, right, which by being made by Woody Allen uh, are very sympathetic to this kind of... They, they take this kind of bumbling gross masculinity as the truth of the world. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is... Uh, it's definitely... Uh, don't think this movie's politics are good but because it, it's it's all about the like weird uncomfortable masculinity and insecurity of woody allen being dis- destroyed by the traditional masculinity of james bond um which is also like in this movie at least right and proper and not the bad masculinity of the other bond movies I, I really love how we do that in this film though it's like right off the bat it's james bond is this you know Kind of, you know, effete, you know, aristocratic, you know, like, you know, colonial England figure. He's you know, living he, in a ridiculous colonial mansion. He it's, lives in a ridiculous colonial so mansion much. with with lions surrounding it. Yes. he's he's what he he studied in Tibet and India and like he <laughs> the one line, um, you know, he he lets his intestines down and washes them by hand. Yep, and it's just. And and the whole thing is about you know you know the the best spy is the, is a pure spy and he's so chaste and good and he's only loved one woman and it's just it's really funny. Um, he doesn't get really the snappy one-liners. He gets the yeah. He's just kind of like the straight man walking through this ridiculous world. And the movie like tries to get a lot of comedy out of that, right? Because the whole the whole first half an hour of this movie before anything happens it is so so they try to get him to uh come back and do this this one last job and he refuses because he's having too much fun standing on his head in his mansion uh and m's like well we'll blow up your mansion and we'll like as a you know we'll false flag you back to the fi6 uh but like not i i'm saying that as a joke that's not really like the movie doesn't have politics in that in, intentional way he just blows up and also kills m accidentally but it then like cuts to uh 
M's widow, who's actually a Smurf spy, uh, like laying a trap for Bond. Um, and the like joke of M accidentally dying is like there's no the punchline should have been there, but they didn't film it, so it just gets kind of skipped over. The movie's full of that. Yeah, there's it's it's really weird because like there are lots of continuity errors. Yes, that like are very like they're very intentional, but I can't tell how much attention I'm supposed to be paying to them, and if it's you know is this a commentary on just kind of the general like chaos of the film itself, the chaos of the production of the film, um, is it you know supposed to be distracting me from the chaos of the film, like. I don't quite know what's going on with like that, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's weird because especially like you you look at some of the things that the um uh like on the Wikipedia page and it breaks down who filmed what, uh, and so the the scenes at the start of the movie of James Bond's house and that the, all the entire Scottish castle sequence, which is the first thirty minutes of the movie, uh, is all one director and that does feel at least uniform in style, um. But then it gets to, like, the Peter Sellers scenes, which feel like they've come out of a completely different movie. Like, apparently they didn't even, like, they did not have the directors communicate with each other. They just filmed different bits of the movie and didn't really tell each other what they were doing. Yeah, um, I I think my favorite part of that was uh, the Berlin unit for this film. Yes. Was the director of Shitty Shitty Bang Bang. Hell yeah, it was. (laughs) Which is just, like, okay, sure. Well, the Berlin bits are amazing because so like the movie is going along and just going from sequence to sequence and everything's kind of just confusing and weird uh, and it's, like it's something that's funny like the scenes aren't necessarily bad uh, but then the Berlin bit happens and it's all about uh, Matahari and James Bond's daughter infiltrating the Matahari school of uh, espionage in order to like uh, to steal. Uh, some f- uh, like photo film, which is Lashif's like plan to raise the money he needs in order to force him to get into the Baccarat uh, game. That is, there is, there is actually a plot there. It does, you know, there someone has tried to make a plot there. Uh, but it, what it leads to is like a fifteen-minute sequence of just the cabinet the, of Dr. Caligari. Yeah, yeah, no, full. It just goes full German expressionism, um, but with a ridiculous sixties color twinge. <laughs> It's so bizarre. And like, it's like, you know, I kind of appreciate it. It's like, okay, yeah, that's, that seems appropriate for Matahari. But then what? And it's like, the multiple directors really do feel very atonal in concert with one another. It's not like, oh, the second unit guy is on the same page as like, you know, the primary director, anything, or even close to that. It's, it's just like, what? You know, um... Uh, I'm thinking like you know in uh, the the Dark Knight, where um, oh what's his name play the Joker, um, uh, Heath, Ledger. Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger like apparently went off to go film the little Joker movies himself. Wait, he just just was like, hey, here's what I think the Joker would do. I'm such a I, I'm such a apparently that's actor. The, that's the steal is that like the little the little movies that the Joker makes that like has in in the Dark his Knight. Joker vlogs. Yeah, uh, Heath Ledger just apparently just went and grabbed a camera and fil- filmed those with like yeah, another sure. second unit. Um, but those fit totally with the film, you know, which you kind of wouldn't expect, I I think. But but here it's so completely different. It is bonkers. 
it's it's so ridiculous because so like the the berlin sequence you have all this very arch uh like German expressions and parody going on and the joke is usually that the people aren't like saying funny lines right they're just being very serious to camera in a way where everything is just so much that it is funny um but then you get to like the end where a ufo lands in trafalgar square and woody allen is basically being like oh i gotta do something for the incels (laughs) short kings rise up and that's like you're like how is this the same movie <laughs> yeah. it's and it's really funny because like, like watching the sequence with the ufo i'm just like oh it's like persona 2 <laughs> i should play persona 2 you should it's, it's it's probably the best one i i would not be surprised <laughs> but yeah it's um yeah there's a there's a fucking ufo in this movie jackson and the UFO comes out of nowhere because it comes after the awesome Wells scene in uh, the casino, which was a very strange scene because it goes on a long time. One, it goes on forever. Two, it expects you know the rules of Baccarat, <laughs> which I don't. Uh, and and three, it there's no jokes. He, 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 like awesome Wells does some magic tricks, and that's always good fun. Love that. But uh, apparently, another like more. Oh, if you know the truth behind the scenes, it explains it. But it makes no sense in the movie. Peter Sellers felt slighted that he didn't get to be the real James Bond, <laughs> so was constantly trying to redraft all his scenes to take all the jokes out of them. <laughs> he hired Terry Southern to rewrite his dialogue. Yep, but uh, but not the rest of the script, so he could outshine Orson Welles and Woody right. Allen, which is amazing because. Uh, the it could not be further apart between Wells and Alan, right? Like, Alan is full shtick, full doing his thing. Uh, Wells has just showed up, put on a thing. He's gonna deliver the lines, but he's not. He doesn't care about the dick measuring contest that is this weird movie because he's fucking awesome, Wells. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I mean, I think Orson Wells just showed up. They were like, "He's. I'm going to a casino. <laughs> I love playing cards." <laughs> I want to do a magic trick in this scene. <laughs> and, and just, yeah, like, it's, I, I did love the fucking magic trick with the flax that gets progressively more elaborate. <laughs> Pulls out more and more flax, and then, like, the camera starts doing different color tints, and yeah. Wells is just grinning. And this is the girls in the back with sparklers, and the doves <laughs> flying out of his lap. Oh, it's amazing. I love Orson Wells. Yeah, um, but yeah. So and then they have their casino standoff, and it's just shot and played like it's a normal James Bond movie, which is one of the weirder parts of the movie because the next scene, well, no, the next scene is he walks out. Uh, Vesplin gets kidnapped. Then he is presumably captured off screen because he just gets into a car, says some jokes, and then in the next scene he's tied up in the Lashif torture scene. <laughs> Uh, he gets like to- he gets the torture of the mind, which is just an excuse to have some wacky imagery because that's comedy. Uh, uh, like excuse me, those are some incredible video effects. <laughs> those are okay. The bits where its video effects are amazing. The bits where it's like here's an entire marching band in like a smoke void. That's <laughs> less good. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the video effects are amazing. Uh, and then after that, a UFO lands in Trafalgar Square, and that's not a joke. That's that's real. That happens in the movie. <laughs> like, 
<笑>うわっ<笑><笑>、uh, Sequence just takes a long time because <laughs>、uh, you have so you have the stuff at the start with the um, like Scottish castle,、uh, but then you have the really long scene where Vespa's trying to convince Peter Sellers to play uh, Latif at Blackjack and Blackjack Baccarat,、uh, and it goes on forever, and they're like playing it like it's this um. Battle of like spy wits, and she's testing him. And like, she like goes up to him with the with the offer and then gets him back to her room. And he's like nervous and he's like, Oh, is she gonna kill him?、Uh, but no, she just wants him for the for the this job. And it plays it like there's actual tension there.、Uh, but then he's dressed up as Hitler for a bit.、Uh, and you're like, Okay, sure, what are you doing? <laughs> What's yeah, going he, on here? It's 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 so bizarre because he. You know, they're doing this weird dress up photo shoot sequence. Yes. yes. And, like, I don't know what, like, because there's so many different ways to, like, pick that apart. Like, <laughs> you know, on the one hand, it's like, okay, you know, their roles are reversed here, especially for this time where we would expect, you know, a man with the Hasselblad taking photos of, you know, the woman in the sexy nightgown. Right, yeah.、Um, and doing costume changes. Um,. But then we also have, like, it's kind of like harkens back to the sequence with Bond in From Russia with Love and the micro cassette or the cassette recorder on the boat, where, you know, you have this one character being kind of weirdly vulnerable. And, you know,、um, in this one, Ursula Andress is just like drilling him, you know, kind of for information and like making these weird, like, note, like, you know, Dossier notes about him to no one in particular, though. To, to, to no one, right? Yeah, because none of the none of the plots align. They just kind of f- go around, and then everyone then they bring in a bunch of uh, you know, like the, the the movie ending is just, and then it gets wacky, and everyone blows up. Like it's the most lazy version of this possible because they didn't have any footage. <laughs> yeah, like they. End up like mixing shots to have Peter Sellers kind of walk in and get shot at the end of the movie because he wasn't there to film the end of the movie, despite ostensibly being the main character. Uh, and like, he isn't, he, because they all go to heaven at the end because it all blows up,、uh, and William's pushed down to hell and what have you. But, um, he's there in like the Scottish garb playing on the, uh, Bagpipes like from his earlier sequence, so he hasn't had a chance to get into the heaven clothes. And it's very clearly just like a single effect shot we've put in here to pretend he's here at the end of the film. Yeah. It's really weird because there. This is a movie that I kind of did like kept kept zoning in and out of. And、yes. it's a movie that like.、Um, Like Sarah and I t- like, talked about, like, you caught on television, just like on, like, you know, like, like I, I ended up watching this on Cinemax because it happens to be on Cinemax right now, along with the, you know, 2000 whatever Casino Royale. <laughs> um, but, like, so it's like I've seen this movie in bits and chunks. Um, 
and like watching it out of sequence, watching it disjointed in bits and pieces over years, um, made it more coherent than sitting down and watching the movie from start to finish. A hundred percent. Yeah, of course it would. But like, there are some moments of just like, that just feel really brilliant Mm -hmm. and like, you know, kind of like, you know, either just very amusing. Like I really, I really like the sequence in Berlin because it's just so absurd. Um, and, and like it's 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 well done, and then you know you have the little homunculus at the end, who who can't get the wires back on this little like you know clock that keeps his heart running. Right. That entire like gag is so strange because it starts and he can't um he can't you know he comes in and he's just kind of repeating what the leader of the school says. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we have we have trained spies uh. We have trained spies for America. America. We have trained spies for Russia. Russia. And he just does this, and like not like the funny words or anything. He just says the words. There's no extra mm-hmm. joke there. Uh, and then he tries to uh, he tries to fuck um, the, uh, James Bond and Matahari's daughter. Like the the Bond in this sequence, it's hard to call anyone anyone's name, especially her, <laughs> because of how they refer to her in the movie. Um, but. What? Because he's like, oh, it's just, I just, it's just, sorry, I get too excited. Yeah, just ignore me. Please shut me away. And she deals with him and kicks him out, right? Uh, but then she pulls his heart battery out, which he has for reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't put it back in, so he puts it in the wrong way around, which causes him to, like, go really fast in backwards footage and end up spinning round and round the like kitchen door or the the bar it's, it's, the, it's the toilet yeah the toilet that's it it's, yeah sorry the kitchen door the because that's that makes it sound like a normal door i mean a, a the you, you pull the, the chain on the toilet and instead of flushing it spins round to reveal a secret room but this happens really fast in reverse camera <laughs> yeah it's this movie feels kind of like a tech demo. <laughs> yeah, it does. Like it, it has, it has the you know, oh god, what are the 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 benchmarking software for like you know, um, <laughs> like three D graphics cards. Um, it's just these these weird sequences of like you know, like we're just gonna do a weird effect here, and that's gonna test this part of your video card. And it's just like we're gonna do a weird effect in this scene, and that's gonna test your brain and whether you will sit through <laughs> to the next sequence. Yep. Because it's so long. It's two hours and 20 minutes long. It's longer than Thunderball. And all we did was complain about how long that movie was. Yeah. But you know, more happens in this than Thunderball. Uh, a lot more happens in this than Thunderball. <laughs> There's no underwater sequences in this movie, at least. Oh, God. Um, and Ursula Andrus gets to use her actual voice this time. Yeah, I was really surprised. Like, there weren't any jokes about that. Yeah, because it's right there. Hmm. I mean, I guess we get, um, fucking Woody Allen who can't speak around his uncle. 
Yeah, but that that's not really about the dubbing. No. That's just, that's, that's just uh But see, we could have done something interesting with, with the, the dubbing actress thing, and no, we didn't. Because well, there's apparently only one uh, woman who dubs voices in the entire UK, and she does every one of the other Bond movies, and so she was contracted. <laughs> I thought it was funny that the number of people who go on to do other Bond properties after this. Yeah, there's a fact in the Wikipedia that's like, this movie has the most amount of like people who went on to other James Bond movies, which is true, but cheating because of just how many people are in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Though, like, it is, you know, it's, it's one of the things I was thinking about this in, like, you know, one of the things that, like, really does make successful satire work in film mm-hmm. is you do get the actors who would play these roles, in yes. the real, the non-satirical version, and like they did that, like almost like to the man, like you know, I, I would, I would watch the hell out of like actual Casino Royale with Orson Welles as the chief. Like that's incredible casting, right? Um, like it's just, it's it's bizarre. It's like kind of like yeah, like you you did it right bef- in in reverse, right? Yeah, and then that you just didn't make the right movie. And then, yeah, because like for for as weird as all the stuff on set is, Peter Sellers isn't a bad like he's not doing bad as the James Bond figure. He's fine. Uh, he's like good in this movie. Um, as a ridiculous old colonial spy, David Niven's incredible. Uh, they only really really have the one joke with him, which is that he doesn't like sex, but everyone is trying to make him fuck people. Uh, but he's still very good in the movie. Hmm. I did like that they um. They they do have the line about you know the, the James Bond just keeps leaving a trail of dead women in his wake. Yes, <laughs> he does. That's that's that is just true. There's uh, like lots of weird things in this movie where like the you know um, like women who almost have agency like Ursula Andress almost has agency in this movie, right? Um, or has a weird kind of agency, and then like. You you get these moments where it's like it's aware of the like unrepentant racism in James Bond films, mm-hmm. but then like it's kind of like well let's just replicate that not it just does it but now it's a joke right? yeah because the movie is not smart enough to actually build a coherent critique of any of these things but it does at least like point at them and go bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of it the uh, the scene where they the uh, M and Q and everyone show up uh, when the other foreign agents uh, show up to James Bond original's house and and he's just like dressing them down over their use of gimmicky gadgets. Yeah, he's like, he's like you've got you know an arsenal in your boots. Listen to them tinkle. <laughs> Because uh, they've all come with ridiculous assassination devices. Uh, the, 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 you, you're still wearing the 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 the, the flower with the cyanide that it squirts. Well, the Russians started it. <laughs> yes. Uh, the stuff with um, all the women in this movie is like also more of that, and it's very interesting, but not it doesn't like build to any point, right? Where like there's a lot of jokes about how insufferable it is to deal with these like annoying men who think that they're james bond 
because uh, there's that that whole sequence where money penny basically has to try out all of the mi6 agents who all got their image of being james bond and like find basically try to find the one guy who will give head is like <laughs> her mission is she we're gonna have to find the one person who can actually fuck good um because the, these these men are not doing it and even the guy they choose isn't even like amazing she's like i just need to do my job here please uh. Uh, so it's definitely like it's it's strange because that stuff is definitely like pushing back at the strange masculinity of bond and how it like is a lot of hot air and just very frustrating to women to deal with um but the end of the movie is all about james bond is a real man um because he's he's like chased and old and a good spy and he's proper unlike you know woody allen who's anxious and a creep which is all true woody allen's a creep it's good the movie's about how woody allen's a creep owned true best bond film <laughs> we sent woody allen to hell because he's too much of a creep all movies should end this way <laughs> yeah this is just like i was watching it and i was just like no this this is woody allen this is what he does and he was never actually funny interesting it's that that bit of the start uh the first his first scene where he comes in and he's like uh well you you, you can't execute me because i got i got a got a very <laughs> I, I got a very bad ex- exposure to bullets i, I just i hate when the bullets pass through me it, I, it, it gives me a big risk of death I and i'm like low tolerance for death yeah, uh, yeah and I'm just... like, that's not a joke that's the least funny tweet ever that's <laughs> so bad that would get no retweets that is so corny and terrible oh i can't i can't take it when the bullets hit me because i have a low tolerance of death like oh no oh ratio <laughs> right it, it was it was like power he was powerfully unfunny in this movie yes yeah um <laughs> yeah god uh, what more do you want to say? Because like, we're definitely giving it more like serious consideration. The movie was put together as a mess. Um, a lot emerges interestingly out of that, but it's a weird comedy movie that was made with no like real sh- schedule or budget or even script but some point. <laughs> okay, so you know what fucked me up? What had fucked you up? This is where the song The Look of Love comes from. <laughs> yes. I had no clue. I'm just like, I was just like, I was like, like, and even when that scene happens, I'm just like, oh yeah, Dusty Springfield, of course, because Burt Bacharach did the score. And then I'm like, wait a minute. And I looked it up and I was like, are you fucking shitting me? That, that song was written for this fucking movie. <laughs> this fucking movie. Especially as the rest of the soundtrack is mostly just that one song that plays a million times. Okay. I fucking love um, the Smirsh control headquarters yeah where they've got the the where it's during the the bond is being chased by jag um in a jaguar uh roadster and they have the chase scene with the milk truck um and they have we cut back and forth between jag and the car and the other in, in bond and the milk truck and you know racing through the the british countryside and cut back to the control room where it's you know these kind of sexy generic 1960s <laughs> models in smirsh jumpsuits 
in a big circular room with this, you know, this control deck in the center cut out and around it is one of those electric race car sets. <laughs> the, the, the extravagance of some of the sets in this movie, because some of them like barely get any screen time, but they've gone all out. They really have. Like, you know, I mean, that, that is a, you know, hugely elaborate set. Um, the, the fucking lions. <laughs> the fucking, I, let's drive the Bentley through the safari, the lion safari. What? Wh- why? Why do this? I mean, John Huston did drugs. He, that's true. That's true. He did. And then there's like, <laughs> we talked about like, um, Austin Powers before, right? As like the parody of the Bond movies, it doesn't need to because it's all already there. And it's funny how like the one thing that hasn't shown up in actual Bond is it's not really been that much like ridiculous sixties design. Um, like it's from the sixties, but Bond like entire culture uh, is such a holdover from the fifties. Yes, that the idea of the the sixties of it does, like it emerges fully formed in this movie and it's it feels very unbond, um so it's strange that that is be- just because of it's like you know the sixties have kind of um compressed into an understanding culturally that like they're kind of two different things the the sixties look of this movie would never show up in a real James Bond movie because it's it's still he's still he's still in the fifties you know uh, I've watched Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's i mean well even like it's interesting because even like you know um the way they style um like the women in this they are mm-hmm. less uh in in casino royale and and then of course austin powers there are more 60s than uh the james Bond movies we've been watching mm-hmm. which are less au courant kind of as far as fashion goes yeah and because it is really it, it it is the that the 50s fantasies uh, ian fleming's an old man he's not in touch with the times <laughs> Dad. You know, that cl- that classic 60s fantasy of going to a spa <laughs> after you've done your mission for two weeks uh that's that's the 60s right there do we have anything more to say i know we, i knew this was going to be a short episode just because this, this this movie is what it is yeah i think no no i don't really uh, this movie was a box office success which uh, how <laughs> how how do you advertise it i like, guess i, mean, I feel like at this point it's just literally like the the names on the poster and people showed up saying how the fuck can you get that many names in a movie <laughs> well you get five directors like yeah absolutely it's yeah it's it's strange it's it's um it's probably better than um uh than goldfinger to me but i think i preferred the other three movies even thunderbolt because the bits of thunderbolt i do like are good in a very james bond way uh this is fun i didn't hate it it's a uh, a good time but it definitely is incoherent and ridiculous yeah and uh yeah i think that's all we have to say about this I think that's all what a got. weird diversion i'm sure we'll reflect upon it more when we get to casino royale part two 
Yeah. Um, and this maybe was correct to point at the racism of James Bond and go, bit weird, because uh, next time, <laughs> well, we have You Only Live Twice, uh, where there is a lot of racism. It's a bit weird. Which is weird, because it was written by Roald Dahl. Oh, he's never been racist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dia, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at Dialacina on Twitter.com. Yep. You can find me at headfullsoff at twitter.com, bunch of podcast at abnormalmapping.com, and you can support us at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. Um, at the $1 tier, you get access to the Gundam podcast that me and M do. Uh, but that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Bond will return in uh, You Only Live Twice, I guess. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>